hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www.thegrovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. Two passages of scripture this morning. The first one is Micah chapter 5, verse 2 through 4. Micah, Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. Micah, Micah. Yeah, if you got to use a table of contents, do that. I would have to find Micah myself. Now, if you got some digital resources, it shouldn't be hard for you to find Micah. Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. Then the next scripture we're going to look at is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Micah, the Old Testament minor prophet, chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. And then Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Once you find Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. And Matthew chapter five, chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to ask that you would stand. I'm going to read from the King James Version today. King James Version. King James Version. We normally move between the New Living Translation, New International Version. But today we're going to use good old King James. Uh, King James, chapter, Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. And then Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Here's what we find in the Micah prophecy. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Therefore will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, again in the King James Version. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, In thou, Bethlehem, In the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Please be seated in the presence of our God. I want to talk simply from the thought today, a promise fulfilled. A promise fulfilled. A promise fulfilled. Micah's ministry was one that was very interesting. 
He ministered over 700 years before the birth of Christ. He ministered during and against corruption, corruption from the government, from political leaders, as well as corruption from religious leaders. Micah, when you read Micah's prophecy, when you read his text, you find that he had a faith in God that empowered him, watch this y'all, to have a positive perspective regarding the future. Because of his faith in God, he, he looked forward to great things in the future, even if he would prophesy doom, even if he would prophesy some not so great things to happen in the days to come. Because of his faith in God, he believed that God still had good things in store. In fact, his faith is behind a declaration he made in Micah chapter 7, verse 7. For the New Living Translation, here's Micah 7 and 7. As for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me, and my God will certainly hear me. Y'all, Micah expected God to act on his behalf. And he stressed the divine origin of his words. Micah did not speak on his own behalf. Micah spoke as one who heard a word from the Lord. When you read the beginning of his, of his prophecy, he's, he starts out with saying, this is the word of the Lord. Micah regarded the Lord, y'all, as the Lord of all human history. In other words, Micah believed that God controls everything to include nations, which he can raise up or throw down as he desired. He can punish the rebellious and bless those who obey him. Micah prophesied, in fact, he's the only Old Testament prophet to tell us where the Christ King would be born. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, Micah declared that God would raise up a ruler, a governor, a king who would be born in Bethlehem. He's the only Old Testament who would tell us where this new, the, the, this thing that God was going to do, where it would happen. He regarded God uh, as the Lord of human history, that God would even bring forth a governor, one who would lead the people of God with gentleness, with love, and with peace. This prophecy did not come to pass in Micah's lifetime. As a matter of fact, some very peculiar or uh, not so great things happened after Micah had passed away. Micah passed away still looking for God to raise up this king to still raise up this governor. Shortly after Micah passed away, the Assyrians took Israel, the northern tribes in Israel, captive. The Assyrians invaded uh, Samaria and took the, the tribes of Israel captive. And the Assyrians have a reputation of being very notorious, very notorious in how they, how they treated their captives. It's reported that the that they had a reputation of amputating limbs and blinding and castrating and burning people alive that they would take captive. The Assyrians were very creative about their brutality. They, they would cut off legs, arms, noses, tongues, ears, and other parts of the body. They would gouge out the eyes of their prisoners. Assyrians, they did not play. They... They were notorious for being brutal. This happened after Micah's ministry on earth. After the Assyrians come the Babylonians. 
The Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem, the, the southern part of the people of God, Judah, destroyed their temple, their house of worship. They, they took people captive, but not just anybody captive. They, they only wanted the most intelligent, the brightest, and the most intelligent, the most creative. It is during the Babylonian captivity that we will read about Meshach Nim, Shadrach Nim, and Abednego Nim. And you know what happened to them. It was, it was the Babylonians that would throw you in a fiery furnace if you did not bow down and worship their gods. Nebuchadnezzar was a notorious and brutal ruler over Babylon. He's the one. Y'all know the story. You sure you've been to Sunday school at least once or twice where it was Nebuchadnezzar who, who mandated that the Hebrew boys who would not bow down to his idol to be burned in the fire. But y'all know what happened. Uh, there was one who showed up in the fire with these Hebrew boys, and it, he was reported to look like the son of man to keep the Hebrew boys from burning in that fire. But that just goes to show the reputation of Nebuchadnezzar and some of the awful things that took place after Micah gave this prophecy that one would come to raise up and lead the people of Israel. Then it was also under the reign of Nebuchadnezzar that Daniel was thrown in a den of lions. And you would expect anyone thrown in a den of lions to, be, to become dinner for the lions. I don't know if y'all have ever seen the video, but sometimes, you know, on social media, you have those reels. In one of those reels, I see this, this brother, and he's a brother too. His arm is captured by a lion, and he's trying to pull his arm out of the mouth of the lion, and the lion is trying to pull his arm into the cage where the lion was. Now, I don't know how this brother got so close to mess around with this lion and put his arm where the lion could grab it with his mouth. I don't, I don't even, I didn't even click on the reel. I don't, I'm assuming he escaped, but his hand was in the mouth of the lion as if the lion was like, oh, I'm going to eat good today. Daniel was thrown in a den of lions, but God kept Daniel from being consumed by the lions. Then fast forward to uh, just after the, the, the ministry of Malachi, just after the ministry of Malachi, there's, there's about a 400-year, uh, what we refer to as the intertestamental period, around 400 years between the ministry of Malachi and that of John the Baptist, where God was relatively silent. There was no major prophetic voice in the earth between Malachi and John the Baptist. Are y'all with me so far? So as we can see, with all of these things, the brutality of the Assyrians, the brutality and the, the notoriety of, of the Babylonians, of uh, how their prophets had been massacred and how their temple had been destroyed, how Jerusalem had been destroyed. And y'all may even remember how Nehemiah and Ezra had returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and the gates around Jerusalem because they had been destroyed by the Babylonians. With all of these things happening, all of these, all this bad news, all of this destruction, all of this enslavement, all of this captivity, y'all, a lot happened after the ministry of Micah and after Micah's lifetime. But one day or maybe one night, some magi saw a star, not any old star, but the king of the Jews star. These, these magi were, as I shared with you last Sunday, they were astrologers. They, they studied stars as their pastime. They, they used the stars to determine world events or what the day or future held for Capricorns or Aries or Tauruses or Geminis. 
Dallas, as I told y'all last Sunday, they were the ones who probably wrote those horoscopes y'all be reading and believing. It was the Magi, Magi, these, these men who were probably Gentiles. Probably Gentiles, not even worshipers of Yahweh. One day they looked up in the sky and saw a star and one of them may have said to the other, hey, I think, I think that star belongs to the king of the Jews. How they would know that that, that that, Merry Christmas microphone, come on, how they would know that that particular star was the star that belonged. Thank you. How they knew that that particular star, thank you, Teddy, that that particular star belonged to the king of the Jews. We don't know. No one knows how they knew that that star belonged to the king of the Jews. I remember when we, when I, when I first uh, was, was, was transferred from Albany, Georgia, to Colville, California. Now, the duty station, my base was in Bridgeport, California, but we lived in Colville, California. One night, I'm looking up into the sky, and I'm, looking, and I'm, I'm amazed at how many stars I had seen. I'd never been anywhere where I'd seen that many stars. I mean, the sky was just blanketed with stars as if, as if somebody accidentally spilled salt in the sky. You know how it is when you spill salt or sugar on your countertop? There's granules everywhere. Take you forever to clean it up. The, star, the sky was just blanketed, lit, littered with stars. I inquired, why are there so many, such a heavy concentration of stars in this part of the planet, this part of the world? It was explained to me that the reason why I could see so many stars in the night sky of Colville, California, was because there weren't so many man-made lights lighting up that region from the planet. That, that in that area where we live, there, were, there weren't any convenience stores. There weren't, wasn't a whole lot of houses. There, uh, the base where we lived, it was a very small base, and the housing community we lived in was a very small community. There, 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 there wasn't a lot of man-made lights on the ground to detract from the God-created lights in the heavens. And I'm certain that the sky that I saw with all of those lights, all those, all those stars in Colville, California, may have uh, paled in comparison to how many stars the Magi saw when they looked up in the sky and saw that one particular star. They, they, didn't, have, they didn't have lights from the earth, from, from all the Walmarts and, and, and all the Kmarts and, and all the elementary schools and middle schools and high schools and, and all their parking lots and all the Walmart parking lots and all the stadium parking lots and, and all the shopping center parking lots and all those lights from all those houses, all those subdivisions, all those neighborhoods and all those lights from all those churches and, and the street lights along all the streets and stoplights at all the intersections. They didn't, they didn't have all of those lights from the CVSs and the Walgreens and the Walmarts and, and the Galleria Mall and River Crossing and all of these man-made lights. They didn't have that to detract from the littered, the sky that, that was littered with stars. So with all the stars they probably saw, how would they identify that one star being or belonging to the king of the Jews? I don't know. I don't know, but they saw that one star, that one star, and followed it to Jerusalem. 
They came to Jerusalem, as we're told in Matthew chapter 2. They come to Jerusalem and inquired about the newborn king of the Jews. They probably stopped at one of the Walmarts in Jerusalem and asked shoppers who refused to check out their own stuff in the self-checkout line. They probably asked some of those shoppers who stood in line, have y'all seen or heard, or can you tell us where we can find the newborn king of the Jews? If they didn't get the answer at, at any of the Walmarts in Jerusalem, maybe, maybe they stopped at the Galleria Mall in Jerusalem or one of the Krogers in Jerusalem. Or maybe they walked up to people in their cars in the drive-thru at, at the McDonald's, one of the McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or Burger King or Sonic in Jerusalem and asked them, can you tell us where we can find the newborn king of the Jews? Wherever they made their inquiry or however they made their inquiry, the word got all the way to Herod. Herod, who, as far as he knows, is actually the king of the Jews. Herod then inquired of the religious leaders who told him about Micah's prophecy. I'm in Matthew chapter 2, verse 4. Matthew 2 and 4. And when he, Herod, had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. They said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet. Now they're about to quote Micah's prophecy in Micah 5 and 2. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Herod wanted to know, where is this Christ going to be born? And the, and, and the religious leaders of that day told him, according to Micah, the Christ is coming. The Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. So Herod has a private meeting with the Magi, these astrologers, and told them, go to Bethlehem and you're going to find the Christ child. And when you find him, let me know because I want to worship him too. Y'all know Herod was lying. You know Herod did not want to worship the Lord. He wanted to destroy the Lord. So the Magi go their way. They left from Jerusalem and traveled five miles south down to Bethlehem following the star they make their way to the house of Joseph and Mary and saw Jesus, the king of the Jews. Matthew chapter 2 verse 11. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. The worship simply means they paid homage, as I shared with you last Sunday. They just paid respect to what they believed, what they were, who they believed was a king. When they had opened their treasure, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Here's the thing, though, y'all. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. They didn't make the connection between putting their eyes on Jesus and Micah's prophecy from over 700 years prior to Jesus's birth. But there is a connection here. God promised his people a king and he fulfilled his promise in the birth of Jesus Christ. What the Magi are seeing as they look at the Christ child is a promise fulfilled. This is the connection I challenge all of us to make this Christmas. God made his people or God promised his people a king and he fulfilled that promise in the birth of Jesus Christ. Can you see that connection where Micah prophesied a promise from God that one was coming who would lead the people Israel? And in Matthew chapter 2, we see that God delivered on his promise just like he said he would. God is faithful. 
God fulfills his promises. And it took long, it took a long time. It took, it took a long time. It took a lot of years. In fact, it took generations. It took centuries, but God fulfilled his promise. And I wanted to just deposit this in your spirit this Christmas. God is faithful. God is faithful. Israel had gone through a lot between Micah's prophecy and the birth of Jesus, but God did it. Y'all remember what I told y'all? Between Micah's prophecy and the birth of Jesus, you had the Assyrian captivity and all their brutality, all that loss, all that annihilation. You had the Babylonian captivity, all that loss, all that suffering, all that persecution. You had 400 years of silence, but despite all of that, God still delivered on his promise and fulfilled his promise to his people. And I want to talk to somebody here today who may also be going through some of what Israel endured while they waited on the Lord to deliver their king. I wonder who in here has received a promise from God and you're still waiting on God to fulfill his promise. And while you're waiting on God, you've had to endure abuse. You've had to endure mistreatment. You've had to endure delays. You've had to endure loss. You've had to endure discipline for your disobedience. You've had to endure all types of setbacks. You've had to, to endure all types of destruction. But you're still here. And I want to encourage you to keep waiting and looking for God to do what he said he'd do. Because when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the people of Israel were still looking for their king. Despite the hundreds of years that had passed, they were still looking for their king. Despite the, the Assyrian captivity, they were still looking for God to do what he said he would do. Despite the Babylonian captivity and all that Nebuchadnezzar had done, the people of God were still looking for their king that God had promised them. Are y'all with me today? And I want to tell somebody with all that you're going through right now, with all that you've been going through, all the ups and the downs, all the highs and the lows, if God made you a promise, God has every intention of fulfilling his promise unto you. And I want to tell you that you ought to anticipate. You ought to look for God to fulfill his promise in your life and anticipate a GDDIA moment. Because when, listen, the Magi missed it, but when they looked in that manger, or when they looked at the toddler, when they looked at the baby Jesus, they should have had a GDDIA moment. Somebody should have said, God done did it again. God has fulfilled his word. God done did it again. But the Magi didn't worship Yahweh. The Magi weren't looking for their king. The Magi weren't looking for their savior. But I need somebody who has ever seen God fulfill his promise in your life to believe that you're going to have a GDDIA moment when God does it again. I'm just believing that the day is going to come where you're going to be able to tell somebody God done did it again. I lost my job waiting on this. I lost my mother waiting on this. I lost my marriage waiting on this. I lost my daddy waiting on this. But behold God done did it again. I had given up on the promise. I had given up on the miracle. I had given up on the door opening. I had given up on the way being made. But God done did it again. And I want to tell somebody that God is able to do it again. I believe God is willing to do it again. And I want to encourage you to trust him to do it again. God is faithful. God is so God. God can do whatever he promised you he'd do. 
God is so God, God cannot lie. Y'all remember what he told Sarah, the question he raised to Sarah, when Sarah was, when he told Sarah, this time next year, you're going to have a child, and Sarah laughed because she was so old, she felt like she was beyond childbearing years. She laughed, she ridiculous. She said, this is ridiculous. I'm going to have a baby from Abraham. You have got to be kidding me. But then God raised the question, is there anything too hard for the Lord? The good news is there are some things that's too hard for the Lord. The great news is there are some things that's flat out impossible for God to do. Let me tell you one thing that is just downright flat out impossible for God to do. It is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to make a promise and not be able to fulfill that promise. I'm telling you that God is able to do what never he said he's going to do. If he said he's going to bless you, he's going to bless you. If he said he's going to open the door, God is going to open the door. If he said he's going to make a way, God is going to make a way. If he said he's going to raise them up, God is going to raise them up. If he said he's going to heal, God is going to heal. If he told you he's going to deliver, God is going to deliver. If God said you're going to get a breakthrough, you're going to get your breakthrough. It is impossible for God to lie. God cannot lie. So whatever he told you he's going to do, despite how long ago it's been, despite all that you've gone through, despite how much you may have suffered since you received that prophetic utterance or that dream or that vision, God shall do just what he said he would do. I want to encourage you to have faith like Micah. Micah declared in Micah 7 and 7, but as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. I want you to finish out this week and finish out 2022 and march into 2023 declaring the same thing Micah declared in Micah 7 and 7. I'm watching for God. I'm looking for God to do it. I'm looking for God to move. I'm watching for God to bless. I'm what I don't care what my child is doing. I don't care what the economy is doing. I don't care what the devil is doing. I I got more focus on God than the enemy. I'm watching for God to do it. As for me, I'm watching in hope. I'm watching in expectation. I'm watching in expectation. I'm looking for God to do it. I'm waiting for God to do it. I'm tired of waiting, but I'm still waiting. I'm giving up on my, listen, I may have given up on my situation, but I'm resurrecting my faith today. I'm watching for God to bless. I'm watching for God to save. I'm watching for God to deliver. I'm watching for God to heal. I'm watching for God to restore. Are there any watchers in the room today who's going to go out of 2022 watching going into 2023 I'm looking for God to do it I'm looking for God to release it I'm looking for God to break it I'm looking for God to build it I'm looking for God to do it I will wait for God my Savior my God will hear me he will hear me declare I'm trusting him he will hear me hear me declare I'm waiting on him he will hear me declare I'm expecting him to move I, he will hear me declare that he's faithful and when he does it he will hear me declare God done did it again I'm just believing that's going to be your testimony God done did it again so since God is faithful since God is faithful I want you to trust him since God is faithful I want you to trust him no matter how long it takes for him to fulfill his promise towards you trust him no matter what you got to go through trust him no matter what it looks like trust him 
No matter what the, what's happening in the economy, trust him. No matter what the enemy is doing, trust him. Watch in hope. Wait for God to do it. It may have already been months or years since he's made that promise to you, but watch in hope. Wait for God to do it. God is faithful and he will do what he said he will do. Can I get a witness? God is faithful. He makes promises with every intention of fulfilling those promises. I pray this encourages you today, this Christmas. I pray that this lifts up your bowed down head. I pray that this will do something to reinforce your faith, that it would give you the audacity to dream again and watch for God to do it. He promised his people a king. He fulfilled his promise and gave them a king. That king grew up to become a man who would die on a cross and shed his blood for your sins and mine. And one day, one Sunday morning, he was raised from the grave, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and we're yet waiting on the fulfillment of another promise. God promised us he's coming back. He promised us Jesus is coming back. Let's watch in hope. Let's wait for God to do it. Let's live in expectation that one day Christ is coming back for his bride. I want to be in that number. I plan on being in that number. And I pray that you're going to be in the number as well. If you don't know Jesus for yourself as we stand to our feet, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, your King, if you don't know him as your Lord, I want to invite you to get to know him today. Invite him in your heart. Invite him in your life. Let him in as Savior. Let him in as Lord. Let him in as King. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.